Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a view from the Bullins podcast. Listen to all the latest news and inside track from Goodison Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to another episode from A View from the Bullins with me, Mick Kemp, Ben Winstanley and Lee McLean. Ben, you've had a few days to sit on it. The Merseyside Derby, Liverpool 2, Everton 0. I know you were at the game in the away end. What were your thoughts on the game? Um, <laughs> it's going to be a difficult pod for us all, but we've got to remain positive. I, I want to start on a positive note. Um, I understand we're in a really bad predicament now. We've got to try and unify and stick together. But onto the game, Mick. 
the first half we stuck to a game plan you could clearly see we were there to frustrate Liverpool there was a, a low defensive line two holding midfielders with Alex Iwobi giving freedom to press the first half I thought we did pretty well we nullified them Anfield was silent as it always is and they didn't really get any momentum going I mean we, we created the odd chance here and there I think Decore went through we had a free kick in the first 10 minutes and we looked really good on, on the break Anthony Gordon caused Trent Alexander-Arnold absolute chaos <laughs> the whole game he had him in his back pocket he was going round him with fun so that, that was positive and promising and obviously we, we, we've got to clearly discuss the incidents that came from there that, that the whole game obviously the red card in the first half for me Mane puts his his hands in the face of Holgate and then Allen in the space of 10 seconds and for me that's serious foul play which, which should constitute a red card uh, there's no question about it. That there's no room for that in the sport. You can't put any hands on opponents' faces whatsoever. VAR clearly, for some reason, didn't choose to look at it. And then you've got the penalty in the second half and Anthony Gordon. The game's nil-nil. We go one-nil, one-nil up there. The game plan's completely different. The the whole of Anfield will be on the, the nerves will be setting in. So key moments at key times just didn't go our way and it's been like that all season I know the football hasn't been particularly great but we're just not getting them key decisions at the right time right moments and look there's going to be cases to answer at the end of the season but it is what it is we've been beaten 2-0 at the end of the day the goals they scored Klopp brought on Origi and I think it was yourself Mick who turned around to me and went here we go they're wheeling him on for the first game of the season and he look he'll bring on and get a goal and that's exactly what he did. He came on, got the goal, set up the second goal, I think, laying off for Mo Solan and that horrible Scottish left-back, Andy Robertson, made it 1-0. Um, what I was most impressed with was the fight and the, a bit of character that this team have finally, finally shown. We didn't have the ball for large periods of time, but they worked so, so hard off the ball. And when it went off, all 11 players were in amongst it. All 11 players were up for it, getting stuck in. Because let, let's be honest, Liverpool are a, a, a street ahead of where we're up to. And for 65 minutes, we nullified them. They, they didn't have a clue. I, th I think I think Klopp was worried. And that's why, in essence, he went 4-2-4. He, he put two attacking midfielders on, took uh, strikers on, took Keita off. Um, and obviously Mane at the same time and brought Diaz and Origi on and that's just what shows having real squad depth that we unfortunately haven't got. So they huffed and puffed. It was an expected result but you've got to look at the positives from, from that game. We stuck to a formation. It nullified them for long periods of the game and we could have snatched it if them key decisions went our way but look, it is what it is. We move on to Chelsea. Massive, massive game. Um, we just really need to try and stick together, remain positive and look forward to the future. Mm, yeah, Lee, before the game, most Evertonians probably didn't have a hope or a prayer going to Anfield and looking for, for three points, let alone one. But at halftime, it, it was nil-nil. A couple of decisions didn't go our way. And then when the penalty decision didn't go our way, which ultimately, and I'm sure you're going to go into it, I think we can all agree it's a stonewall penalty. When we do eventually concede and we lose 2-0, it does leave a bit of a bitter taste in the mouth, doesn't it? Because, like I said at the start of the game, we all, as Evertonians, had kind of accepted it was a game where, in reality, as a one-off game, it probably wasn't going to happen for us. But the way the game panned out, the performance from many of the Everton players, the system that Frank Lampard played, he, he got it absolutely spot on. It, it, you, you do come away from Anfield a little bit disappointed, don't you, this time? 
Well, of course you do. <clears throat> like we all said it before the game. Apologies if I sound rough. I'm struggling at, at the minute. Um, listen, we, we all conceded before this game that the, the chasm between Everton and Liverpool has arguably never been bigger. Uh, the miles ahead of us, you know, we, we've got to concede that, um, in all honesty. So it was always going to be an uphill battle. And it, you looked at it and you're looking at our final seven games and it was one that the vast majority of Evertonians were, were writing off. So at the end, if you were just to look at the results after the game and see we've been beat 2-0, it doesn't exactly tell the story, though. Like you've said, it, and Lampard's called it out as well, and, and I'm glad he has. I'm absolutely livid. It's like the officials, you, you could see he looked at that. He saw what had happened with Anthony Gordon. I'm talking about the penalty incident. And penalty went through his head. And I think he, he had a, a moment of clarity and remembered what stadium he was in and he was officiating in and thought, nah, we, we don't give penalties at Anfield and certainly not in a Merseyside derby and certainly not for Everton. So when all you can ask for is a level playing field, you should be able to expect at the highest level of football in England, fair officiating and to get what you do. Now, we didn't get that. And it's key moments, like Ben's just said, in the game that have ultimately cost us because I don't care what you say, Liverpool were nervous that it was a big game for them as well. And regardless of the fact that they're miles ahead in terms of quality, form, everything else, if they had to go 1-0 down at Anfield at home after an hour, like Ben just said, the atmosphere was absolutely appalling, you know, full of day trippers. You know, they're like, hang on, you know, we're not used to this. You know, we're usually 2-3 in a lot by now. And our, our neighbours have come, done a job on us, got the tactics spot on and we're finding ourselves 1-0 down, you'd have thought the least we would have got out of the game at that point, if the penalty had been given and converted, is a point. But we haven't got it, and it's an all-too-familiar story. Looks like decisions have been made to keep a title race going, which keeps the punters tuning in to Sky and whatever. That's my view on it, um, and a lot, and a, the view of, a, of many others I know. But we've got to quickly put that game to bed, because we've, yes, there's positives. Yes, we put up a fight, We've shown some really, really good character going to arguably the most difficult place to go in the Premier League. But we've not won. And at, at this stage of the season, and Lampard's called this out, after recent games, it's all about points and results. And we haven't got it again. And it's just mounted the pressure on us. And we now it now makes Chelsea on Sunday an absolute must-win. If you look at the, the form that Burnley are on, the, the, the sort of fine margins we're talking about when it comes to Leeds, because they're, they're likely to pick up at least one more win. We've got to be almost faultless, faultless now. And when you look at the games on paper that we've got left, that we, that we should be, you know, we've got a good chance of winning. And we all know what those ones are. Those games especially, we've got to be faultless and we have to start picking up wins very, very quickly because I'm telling you now, and, and I know we've all spoke off the podcast, you know, my nerves are gone. I'm not sleeping, I'm not functioning right because it's the only thing that's at the forefront of my mind day in, day out. It's horrible. Wouldn't wish it on anyone apart from Liverpool Deans. But anyway, we've got we've got to move on and quickly, but it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be really tough, Mick. Mm, ben, looking at the game as a singular, Frank Lampard has been criticised, especially on the road, regarding the system and the shape and the structure of his Everton team. But on this occasion, he, he, got, he got it about right, didn't he? Yeah, definitely. You've seen the away performances we've put in this season. Obviously, Newcastle away, Southampton away, Palace away certain other games as well and he just hasn't set out the team correctly but he got it absolutely spot on deep lying back four 
two holding midfielders, making us very difficult to beat. And they had to obviously try and get through the lines and they couldn't do it. We allowed them the ball at the back. They were knocking it from side to side. Thiago was doing sideways passes and they just couldn't break us down. And in essence, like I said earlier, they actually had to bring four attacking players on. In essence, going a 4-2-4 to try and obviously break us down, um, which they still found difficult. But obviously that, Man, that curse, that Divock Origi, only ever seems to get wheeled out against Everton. It's just typical, isn't it? It's just really sad to see. But the fight and the commitment they showed, they, they looked like they understood what the Lampard wanted them to do. Pretty sure Paul Clement would have been in the air as well, trying to make us difficult to beat. And that's what we should have been doing since January for me. It's it's probably one of the only negatives of Lampard coming in. I think we, we especially on the road, we, we had to try and be hard to beat. We had to try and go away and not get beat. Try and walk away with just the odd points here and there because our away form's been shocking. Um, but the home form's now massive. The home crowd, the atmosphere is now enormous. We've got to get together. We've got to be that 12th man at Goodison Park. I, I can't because like Lee said, I'm losing sleep. I'm up at 4, 5am in the morning, checking my phone, checking the table, checking fixtures. It's not healthy for anyone. It's not healthy for any Evertonian. And I guarantee you there's 19-95% of Blues are the same. It's really starting to affect people's moods, their family lives. <sighs> As you can tell, I'm, I'm really down in the dumps, but we need, we can't give up. We cannot afford to give up. We need Lampard to get it right again at the weekend. Because of the past few games, going back to the system West Ham away we probably should have come away with something there I thought like he got it definitely right there and he got it right obviously against Liverpool on Sunday it's just at the end of the day they had a lot of squad depth they had imagine having the ability to bring Luis Diaz off the bench to try and cause your real issues which he did um, he's quick he's direct and he caused Seamus Coleman real issues again but the whole squad I thought performed really well um, special mention for to Mikalenko with obviously what's going on back in Ukraine to put a performance in like that with one of well what the, the big six media like to say arguably the best winger in the Premier League as it stands in Mohamed Salah he pocketed him the whole game he really really did he played phenomenally played absolutely brilliant and out of his skin and we just need to see that fight more we need to see that structure we need to see that the players understand the system which they did. And I just hope to God, as I said earlier, he gets it right for Chelsea. Let's try and get three points, try and get momentum and try and put pressure back on Burnley and back on Leeds because the results haven't gone our way recently. Other teams are picking up points and we need to start picking up points as a matter of urgency. The running looked bleak, but the, you look at the table blues and you look at the fixtures coming, there are games we can win. We're in this together and we need to ensure that we don't give up. Lee, do you share the same sentiments as Ben there? I know obviously coming off the back of a, a derby defeat, it's always deflating and it is always, you know, a bit of a sucker punch. But my personal opinion, the players have just got to play it game by game now. Push that to the side. That one's been and gone and focus on Chelsea. Because ultimately, like Ben said, the home form is going to be absolutely massive for us, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm a little bit torn because <clears throat> I'm like Ben, I'm, I'm really genuinely trying my best to stay optimistic and positive. Um, but you know, I'm I'm looking at the pragmatic side of things, and I'm looking at the the fixtures that we have, that other teams have got, the the sort of the manager bounce that or lack of manager bounce that Burnley have, have now suddenly got. Um, 
and and it's difficult. It's because I've got a you know something else on my other shoulder saying leave. You know it's 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 too difficult. We've left it too late. We're going down. So it's just this constant battle in my head. Um, you know, of course, there's no getting away from it. As soon as I step foot inside Goodison Park, you know, as has been the way for the second half of the season since Benitez has left, you know, I'll give absolutely everything to the team and I'll support them. I'll come out with no voice like I always do, um, because that's just it's it's all, it's like a reflex for 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 me for everyone else when we get in that ground. Obviously, you look at the Leicester game, atmosphere didn't really get going. And again, it was sort of reminiscent of the Wolves game for me at home where it was pure nerves. I looked around me and everyone was absolutely bricking themselves. The magnitude of the game was was very, very apparent. And we, we're all nervous. But obviously any Evertonians listening to this podcast heading into Sunday, we've got to use that nervous energy in a different way. We, we, we've got to make Goodison just a cauldron. Um, because these lads now, you know, this this is it now. We've got six football games left. If we don't get this right, Goodison Park could only have three top flight football games left. It, you know, it doesn't even bear thinking about. It's upsetting to even contemplate. It's just not nice. Um, so I agree with you. Lampard has said it as well. We can't control what Burnley are doing. We can't control what Leeds are doing. Those results will take care of themselves. We do have to take it game by game and we have to do that as fans as well. We can't give up until the final game and until it's mathematically impossible for us to stay up. You know, because stranger things have happened. You know, like like you, you said before we, we uh, started recording, Mick, you know, strange things do happen in the running. So although on paper our fixtures look more difficult than Burnley's, you know, strange things do happen. Teams find a performance from somewhere you know, even arguably when you say, oh, that team's on the beach, they've got the flip-flops on, they've got nothing to play for. You know, sometimes that can work the other way. They can find, you know, they're relaxed and they can find freedom in the play and they, and they, they can win games. We've just got to hope that happens because although it's important that we get things right, I'm afraid I do think we're going to have to rely on a couple of results going our way and that's not happened of late. So a tough one. I'm trying my best to stay positive, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't extremely worried and erring slightly on the pessimistic side, shall I say. Sorry to interrupt. Obviously, you do a great obviously thing hosting this podcast. What are your thoughts actually on, on the penalty incident itself? Obviously, you're probably the man to go to it and obviously to discuss it. Do you think it was a penalty? Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, it's, it's a penalty all day long. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, you've caught me on the hot there. I think, if, if you slow it down, you look at Stuart Atwell's position, who's obviously the on-field referee at the time. That's called the referee angle. So if, if you look at a pad of paper, it, it's a figure of eight in a nutshell. That's what a referee will always try and do, a figure of eight. So it's always got good angles wherever the ball is. So Stuart Atwell is slightly behind the play. You're always going to be slightly behind the play in the Premier League. It's the fastest league in the world, hence why VAR was brought in. So Stuart Atwell is in a credible position. He could probably be a few metres further up, but again, you know, you, you, you're kneeling haystack sort, sort of thing there. So he's in a credible position. That's the main thing, to make a decision. I was, what, row 15 uh, in the Anfield Road end. The foul gets made by Matip onto Gordon. Obviously, the fans claim. Atwell continues his run into the box, and he has a very, very long look and wait. And he waits... And he waits a few seconds and then he tentatively points to the goal kick spot. 
so he was thinking about that decision. Is it a pen? Is it a pen? Is it a pen? I'm not certain. If you're not certain as a referee, I get it. It's human. You're not certain. You can only give a penalty if you're certain. So he gives the goal kick. Now, as the on-field referee, like it or not, by the letter of the law, he has done his job there, correct. It's now down to VAR. That's what VAR was brought in for. To get into the ear of Stuart Atwell and say, pause play, pause play. We need to have a look at this. And then go to the, the screen. And as we all know, once you go to the screen, it's then a penalty. But VAR didn't do that. And I think it's very easy for fans, including myself, to we all jump on the referee's back. Yeah, that's absolutely fine because referees do make bad decisions and it does frustrate us and it does annoy us. And I get it. I, I, I'm the same as well. I get it. But that's VAR's fault. If Stuart Atwell, who's a, regardless of what you think of him as a person, he's just a human being. If he's not certain it's a penalty, he cannot give it. That's a fact. He cannot give it. So he hasn't give it because he's obviously not certain. He, he, he might, again, human error. Oh, it's Anthony Gordon. He went down easy in the first half. He could have done it again. You know, you're human. You're going to think like that, regardless of you're professional or not. That's just your subconsciousness. So VAR have let Everton down there. Okay, we can, we can go on about, well, you know, he's obviously not a good enough referee. He hasn't give it. Whatever, whatever. That's fine. That's another debate. What I'm saying is VAR was bought in for those decisions. Is that clear and obvious? Well, given what we've seen the day before, where Saka got a penalty for, for Arsenal through VAR, well, Gordon should have 100% then been given a penalty through VAR. If they're given the Saka one the day before, the Gordon one's even more of a penalty. So that's where then the inconsistency of VAR just come into question. And then that's when people then question the, you know, the professionalism of VAR, why is it here? Is it here just to favour the big, bigger clubs, the teams that are fighting for titles? And, and then you open up a can of worms. And that's the most disappointing thing for me is that they just didn't follow the correct protocol and just give the penalty because that's what it is. It doesn't matter about club colours or club badge. It's irrelevant. Just look at it as a singular foul. Is it a foul? Bear with Stuart Atwell. We're going to have a quick look. It takes 10 seconds. Matip stood on his foot and he's nudging his back. Stuart, you need to go to the video printer, uh, the screen. We think it's a penalty. Go and have a look. And that's it. That's what VAR was brought in for. And it failed us. The system failed us. It's as simple as that. And ultimately, we all joke, you know, we all joke and we all laugh. After 38 games, the league table doesn't lie. It doesn't lie because after 38 games, that's where you are. But those sort of decisions can cost people jobs. They can cost clubs relegation. That That's what can happen. That is how cutthroat the Premier League is. And as you've both said, if the penalty was given, let's just say Richarlison puts it away. It's all ifs. Everton have won the up with 25, 20, whatever was remaining. We might have got a point out of it, you see. And, and seasons can change on that. And So, yeah, it's a penalty, Ben, all day long. And um, <clears throat> like I say, everyone's hammering the referee. Yeah, you know, I don't think it was his best of games. But I think VAR, they're the ones that have even, they've let the referee down. Because the referee can't give it, VAR need to help the, help their employee out and help him out. But that's another thing, and, and unfortunately, like you know, it's not going to change anything now. And Everton have just got to forget it. They've just got to forget it and 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 move on to Chelsea. So moving on to Chelsea, Ben, a lot's been said, obviously, about Dominic Calvert-Lewin and his fitness, and his fitness is still in question ahead of the Chelsea game. So Everton are currently persisting with Richarlison up front, and a lot of 
a lot of fans are now thinking, well, maybe Richarlison is better off coming off the left and we need somebody else up front. And there are now a, f- a few claims that Solomon Rondon should start on, on Sunday. And, and what are your thoughts on that one? I liked what you said before, Mick. I think our season, however tr- horrible and torrid it's been, it starts Sunday. We've got six games now and we're in a mini-league. Six games, 18 points, and you probably need 10, maybe 11 points to stay up. That should be the aim now. Um, so that the season has got to start on Sunday. On to your point in regards to Richarlison and Rondon, it's a really difficult one. It really, really is. Um, do we miss Dominic Calvert-Lewin? Since he's a focal point, even though his performances weren't, let's say, as what they normally were last season. Because the ball's getting fired up to Richarlison at the moment and no one's getting round him. We're kind of playing like a 4-5-1 and that's not his game. We all know it's not his game. He likes to be running onto the ball, especially off the left, off the left, so he can cut in and unleash shots, unleash crosses, and that's where he's most effective. Now you look on the bench with other attackers, and Rondon is the only other alternative at the moment. That, that, that's that's just what it is. I know certain blues, obviously, Rondon hasn't literally covered himself in glory this season. He hasn't. Um, what I do think now is though is we're not going to be playing nice, attractive football. We're in a dogfight. This is now dogs of war, Mark Two, because we can't be playing, trying to play pretty, attractive football when we're riding amongst it, because we're in a war now, we're in a fight. So, does Rondon start up top? Potentially. I think it's definitely an option. And if you, Because he's, he's an out ball, he's a, he's a back-to-goal striker, potentially bring the ball down, bring other players into it and just try and surround him. Try and get players around him. Because if you're going to start with Charleston up front, I think he needs to be there in a two. We've seen him there so effective in the in in the past where it's been Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin up front in a 4-4-2 formation. Potentially, you could have Rondon and Richarlison up front together as in a two. Or you put Richarlison on the left and Anthony Gordon on the right. And then that obviously means Damari Gray percentage drops off to the bench, who then will come on second half and give you that, hopefully, that spring of energy. Because as much as I love Damari Gray, since the Arsenal game, when he scored that worldie, his form has slightly dropped off. But he's got that ability to create something. But I just think we're, we're not in that position now. We've got to try and play ugly. We've got to try and get round players. We've got to try and get the ball up the pitch. Because the past few games, we haven't looked like potentially scoring, really. Um, you look at that Leicester game at home, it's kind of a cross by Deli Alley. Rondon just being a nuisance. I know he actually miscontrolled it. But it took Fafana out the game and it left Richarlison space coming off the left to score for shot, deflect in, and that could be a massive point. So stuff like that, you've got to see. It could just be that bad that he creates stuff because him or defenders don't know what he's going to do next. I know Lee feels very strongly <laughs> with his views regarding Solomon Rondon, but I just think, think as at the moment, we're not scoring, we're not creating anything. So we need to potentially look at alternatives of way of creating chances, creating goals, and ultimately going on to get three points and winning football games. Lee, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, I know you've got very strong strong views, should I say, on, on Solomon Rondon, but do you think it's maybe time to to mix it up a bit? Because defensively, Everton, have, you know, they've been questioned, are they good enough defensively? But but like Ben said, going forward, Everton are struggling to score goals at the moment. We've got to do something different. And I know I've, I've been a big detractor of Rondon in the past. Um, for me, it's more about the bigger picture with him. 
you know, it, it's sort of a sad indictment on where we are as a club, having spent the hundreds of millions that we have, that he's the the player we brought in, the, the strike we brought in to back up Dominic Calvert-Lewin. It sort of upsets me as an Evertonian that that's the that's the the sort of shop that we're doing our business in. But what I will say is, in the last couple of weeks, he looks fitter, so he looks like he's lost a bit of weight. Um, for me, it was criminal that he was carrying that that amount of weight for, for so long. We were talking months into his tenure at Everton where he still looked very, very overweight and unfit for a professional footballer. And that just adds to the resentment, really. Don't get me wrong. He's, well, to say he's not the most technically gifted player is an understatement. But I cast my mind back to the Chelsea game where Duncan took temporary charge a couple of years back. Um, and Calvert-Lewin, it, as it was then, gave them a torrid time, and we went very, very direct, and they didn't like it. And most of these top teams don't like it when you you put yourself about a little bit. And for me, I am not bothered who starts. You know, The fact that I don't rate Solomon Rondon as a player is completely irrelevant. All I care about at the minute is Everton getting the points required to get ourselves hopefully out of this mess. Um, personally, He's one of them players, I think if he's starting from the start, I don't think he'd have the same impact. I th- you know, But I can see value now in perhaps keeping it tight, making sure we're still in the game maybe after 60 minutes and bringing him on and, and you know letting him cause a little bit of trouble, putting himself about, like Ben said, um, you know, maybe forcing errors from the Chelsea back line just by being physical. You know, I, I think there is merit in that. Um, so, listen, like it, like just to reiterate, no, I'm not his biggest fan. But if he is what's needed, and he's the most effective way of us getting a result on Sunday, then you know what, no one will cheer him, you know, louder than I will. Ben, Twitter, social media, Instagram, and, and every Evertonian right now is—they're all a bit apprehensive, nervous, angry. But looking at the relegation fight as a whole, as Simple as it sounds, it's is still in Everton's hands, isn't it? And Everton have just got to stay calm internally, shut the door to the rest of the world, to the press, the media, all the other football clubs, and have a siege mentality now, haven't they? And just think it's us against the world for these last six games, and let's just keep calm because it is still in our hands. Yeah, and it certainly feels like the whole media witch hunt is, is in full flow against Everton. Every news article. Sky Sports News, what should we call them, LFC TV, they're all on the agenda of Everton going down. They see more interest than that, continuously hammering our players, our manager. I've seen he did a piece today of Alan having one successful pass, but he didn't look at what he did off the ball, literally chasing down, closing down interceptions, getting stuck in. Or tackles, tackles won. They don't look at that, and it just fits the narrative. However, you're absolutely right. We need to just keep it tight and I'd be using that as motivation. I'd be saying to the players, this country, the media, they all want us to go. They all think we're going to go. Use that as some sort of motivation. Use that to get geared up, fight and get that rally out there. Fight for one another. Battle. Because, like I said earlier, Goodison Park, you, you looked what Alex Iwobi said today on the, uh, the Everton channel. He said, Goodison is like playing with a 12th man. He said it's unbelievable, especially with what Lampard's come in. Goodison's been a real positive this season. There's been a lot of really good games, a lot of good atmosphere. 
and a lot of fans are trying. The fans are trying. They really, really are. There's obviously people talking about greeting the, the coach, um, for example, um, before the Chelsea game on Sunday, which is which is great. If you want to do it, great. If you don't, don't. It, it really is as simple as that. I think we're at the stage, Mick, where we need to try anything. We're trying everything. The fans don't want to be blamed for this. We're trying desperately not to get on on the backs of these players, the team, the club at the moment. We can address that in the summer, hopefully when we stayed up, because it will need to be studied to what the hell has actually gone on this season. Because I still stand by it that the players aren't where they should be for me. They performed terribly all season, but they're not horrendous players. It's weird. There's something going on internally at this club and we need to figure out what the hell it is. But that needs to be put on put on hold, put on the stove out the way, and we need to get behind the team, get behind the club, support these players. You look at Richarlison on Instagram, for example. Fans, we need you. And he's absolutely right because the amount of times that Goodison Park has dragged this team out of this mess is it's countless. It really, really is countless times. For me, there's still life left in the old lady. There's a few special moments. And as Lee quite right touched on before, potentially three home games left to Goodison Park in the Premier League if the inevitable happens. That is a scary, scary thought. So we've got to cherish these moments, make these nine points to three home games an absolute bear pit. I don't care what you don't care. If you stand the whole 90 minutes screaming, whatever you do, you've got to bring the noise. Everyone has got to bring the noise. And that's not me doing a play. And as people say on Twitter, you, you think you're the super blue. No, we don't. I am just scared. I'm worried. My anxiety is through the roof. And people are losing sleep. People's mental health are getting affected. So we need to try anything, everything possible. Um, Lee, Mick, yourself, you lads have been up and down this country following following this club, and it's been an absolute pleasure to <laughs> to be with you through it. But we, it's just I can't believe it's got to this stage. It really has just been one of them horrendous seasons. But like I said earlier, six games, mini season, eighteen points, get the job done, Everton, and get us out this mess. Mm, yeah, I, I hear you, you Ben and Lee talking about the fans meeting the coach and. You know, there's a massive drive now, it seems, on, on all social media. I think the Liverpool Echo have, have got involved and mm-hmm. are trying to get as many fans as they can outside Goodison Park before the game to, to greet the coach. And like Ben said, I know a lot of Evertonians will think, well, that's not for me. You know, I'm going to go to the boozer or the pubs and or go get some food. And some Evertonians will think, yeah, I, I'm going to go. And th- that's absolutely fine, isn't it, Lee? You know, you, you do you. And I don't mm-hmm. think there should be any animosity between each side or you know one blue and one blue where one's going one's not like Ben said it is affecting people's mental health people aren't sleeping um people's relationships are struggling but you know we have we have been spoken we've all spoken about it as three as friends and you know we have spoken to other people where they've said their relationships have been affected by what is happening with Everton and it, it does affect people you know that badly and that seriously so if some Evertonians feel the need to, to go down to Goodison Park a little earlier than usual to, to greet the, the coaches and just try and drag these players through it, who are we to argue, Lee? What do you think? No, oh, absolutely. Listen, I, and I've said to you privately, um, Mick, in the past, you know, I've taken the, the Mickey out of Liverpool for doing these things, you know, clapping a coach, clapping a bus. You know, I've called it cringy, whatever. Um, you know, and, and in all in all honesty, it's probably not my cup of tea. 
But would I dare, you know, abuse another Evertonian if, if it was theirs and it, and it was their choice to, to get involved and participate? Absolutely not. And that's the sad, sad side of social media, I'm afraid. And that's the side that we're seeing too often of late. Now, you could put it down to people's nerves and the tension of the situation, maybe getting the better of some people. But that doesn't make it okay. You know, we, we are, we're all Evertonians at the end of the day. You know, we, we all choose to support the team how we see fit. And that's why we always make it a case and make it clear that, you know, we're not telling people how to support the club. We're not telling people, this is how we do it. You should do the same just because we do a podcast. You know, that, that's absolute nonsense. You know, we, you know we, what we try and do is use the platform that we've got to do good and, and to, you know, to, to drive some positive change. You know, if you don't agree with that, that's fine. You know, just don't, don't feel the need to comment and, and you know, direct personal abuse of people. It's, it's wholly unnecessary. I don't know if you've heard Ricky Gervais's an analogy on it sums it up perfectly. You know, if, if it was about anything else and, if it, you know, you take social media away and you liken it to walking, walking through the streets and you see a, a, road, a road advert, one of those big adverts on the side of the street saying, guitar lessons, call this number. Would you walk up to that advertising board and start shouting at that board saying, but I don't want guitar lessons. Think how stupid you look. You know, no one's forcing you to take guitar lessons. It's just saying, you know, they're there if you want it. But for some reason, people think that they can behave differently on social media. Now, what we've got to do, we've got to put all that aside. And if thousands of Evertonians want to turn up and create a hostile atmosphere and give those players an extra 1%, 2%, whatever, 5% more motivation, then I'm all for it doesn't matter if I think it's cringy or whatever. It's completely irrelevant. You know, and good on the Evertonians who are, who are choosing to do it. Same with the flags, the banners. We've seen the difference that's made in Goodison. It, it, you know, it's visually really, really intimidating now. Um, you know, and, and it's not cop-eye behaviour, that. They didn't start that. You know, we had banners back in the 66 Cup final. You've only got to look at footage from the 66 Cup final with Everton and Sheffield Wednesday. Banners everywhere. Same in 84. You know, you can, you can all name them probably. So, listen... Let's get behind it. What ultimately it's what matters on the what happens on the pitch is the most important thing, you know. But if if there's things that we can do as a fan base to help that and influence the performance and and hopefully the results, then you know we should be supportive of that. Ben, looking at other teams that are in the, the relegation fight, obviously the two that are heavily involved are Burnley and Leeds. Leeds face Man City on Saturday and Burnley face a trip to Watford. So ahead of the charity game, Everton could find themselves as, as big as five points adrift. How psychologically damaging could that be ahead of the Chelsea game? Or have the Everton players just got to think at all times it's in our hands? I think we need to ignore everyone else. Um, I think the players need to just focus on themselves, focus on our own results because looking at what others are doing is just not going to, it's just not going to be, good for anyone the players must feel like the fans at times watching the likes of Burnley get let's be honest they should have got beat by Wolves uh, Nick Pope played a blind there and they go and score 1-0 it, it is what it is just football and it can happen to us we just need a bit of a run of games two or three wins together which we haven't done all season but we need it at the business end of the season as I said earlier I can't stress enough how imperative they need to push this season to one side and start again starting on Sunday and we need to just focus on ourselves. Hopefully, Roy Hodgson pulls something out the bag. That would be brilliant. And hopefully, City just roll through the motions and 
get get results against Leeds, great. But so what if they don't? If we still win the rest of our games, we stay up. That that that's how we are at the moment. Do I think we will? Who knows? Football is one of the most craziest sports in the world. Everton are one of the most craziest football teams in the world. Sometimes they're, they're obviously related to a parody, and sometimes I feel like we really are in a par- parallel universe. But look, it's got to be focused on ourselves now. We've got to just take one game at a time, like you said, Mick, earlier, starting with Chelsea on Sunday. Let's just look at that game. Let's go and get three points there. Leicester away. Let's go and try and get three points there. Watford away. Let's try and go and win there. Them three games are winnable. They are. You, you might call me mad. You really might go, he, he's, he's been an idiot. Them three games are winnable. Chelsea at home is 100% winnable with the crowd behind them. Leicester are playing Roma away that week. and They could have tired legs. We can go at them. And Watford are down in the, in the business end too, so they're going to be scrapping. It's in our hands, and that's what I'm trying to say. We can't give up hope. It's so hard. It's so difficult. People are accepting I'm waking up daily, change my mind, 50-50, but we've got to remain positive. We've got to remain together, unified, more so than ever. And like I said earlier, we'll we'll sort the, the issues out in the summer, hopefully, and questions will get answered. But it is imperative for this football club the size of Everton because it's a ginormous football club to stay in this Premier League. It is imperative. I can't stress that enough. We've got to stay there. We're a massive football club. Better days will come, but we've got to stick together one game at a time. Let's get those points we need to stay in this division. There we go, boys. It is Everton v Chelsea on Sunday. Lee, I'll come to you first. Some are calling it a must-win game. Others are calling it a must-not-lose game. What is your score prediction? 1-11. 1-0 Everton and Ben. Quite happy that Lee said that because he seems to get these right. I'm going to go 2-0 Everton. 2-0 Everton. And I'm going to go 2-1 Everton. I think we'll concede first then the Goodison crowd will suck the ball into the net and we'll score 2-2-1 two, so two, Everton. In the meantime, have a good week if you can. Try and get some sleep. I know Lee and Ben aren't sleeping very well at the moment so I'm sure everyone else, all the listeners are, are struggling as well but do your best. We will be back later in the week with a Twitter space where Lee and Ben will be on that, of course. In the meantime, like I say, have a good week. Try and get your head down. Try and focus on other things other than Everton and football. And we'll see you very soon. Take care and all the very best. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.